But anyhow, there are five Saturdays, five Sundays, five Mondays in this month. And it happens every, now when you're around for the next one, make sure you bring this up. It happens every 823 years. (laughs) (laughs) Methuselah, (laughs) I'll be calling you. But anyhow, you know, we, it, did feel, it does feel like an odd month. It feels different because there's just seems like forever between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But the month itself um, came across that statistic, and I thought I would share that with you. So now you can say you know something different than when you came into church this morning. Amen, yeah. So what happens this month only happens once every 823 years. So you are lucky to be alive. <laughs> To experience this wonderful marvel of the alignment of the stars. So, well, um, when we think about, I think about, being fortunate, blessed, I don't, I don't think of ourselves as being lucky. I think of who we are as being fortunate, being blessed, being highly favored. And the reason for that is that God, God loves us, God has forgiven us, um, God has blessed us, you know, and our... Last couple illustrations, Sundays, I don't have a sheet with me today, but uh, Kira and uh, our, she- our, our, we had a, a sheet for on a bed, you know, bed sheet, and I had it all folded up, and I would give it to Kira and say, okay, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you receive Christ into your life, and use the idea of a sheet and, and the idea of a gift that God gives us salvation. But then it also talks about how that we enter into our relationship with Christ. So you take the sheet out and cover her completely from head to toe, and we enter into this relationship with Christ. And the covering is what is our relationship with God. It isn't just something that's in our heart. It's a covering over our life. And so nothing, when it talks about nothing can separate us from the love of God, we have this covering that nothing can take away from us so that we have this relationship with God. And so from this relationship with God, then we notice that the promises that God has given to us are not promises that come to us from our own thinking, but from our covering. <laughs> they come to us from the covering that we are in Christ so that whenever we think about life and we think about the good things of life and you know people you know people ask me well what about all the evil well when Jesus came into the world it was a pretty bad place you know you know the the, and whenever the church started in Ephesus and you know into Corinth and all these different cities they were extremely wicked you know so it was the, 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 the gospel came to save us and to save the world, save people from their sins. And God is still doing that. God is at work in our life and helping us with daily life. And, you know, if we sin, we have an advocate. We have one who forgives us and is our covering. And, you know, we continue this walk. And it's not one of guilt and manipulation. It is one of love and relationship and strength and courage and peace. And, you know, that's the kind of walk that we have. Well, this morning, um, the message is without a nickel. (laughs) Without a nickel. Anybody here without a nickel? (laughs) 
without a nickel. Well, the story is in Acts chapter 3. And I, I well, well, we'll start there and see where we get with all of this. One day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's interesting how that the, the scripture is very specific. <laughs> you know, one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I don't know if it was a Monday or a Saturday, but it was one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, I, I like to stop there for a moment. At the same time, how many times have you run into somebody, been somewhere at the exact same moment? Okay? Talked about those experiences in which you, were, you crossed paths with someone. All right? And, um, well, we, we, on our, after our 50th class reunion, I know I don't look that old, but after our 50th class reunion, they have a, a dinner once a month and you get together with some of them and, and so on. Well, I remember our, the one, one girl that's there, she was our neighbor and we farmed their farm and, you know, her, her father and brother, they were owners of it and we farmed it and she and I were classmates in school. Well, we went to the uh, New York City to the World's Fair, went on a bus, went to the World's Fair and who did we meet in New York City at the World's Fair? Kathy, my neighbor. <laughs> how did that happen? You know, you travel to New York and you feel like, how can that happen? And I, I've said the other one, I, I think of the most, you know, things seemingly being way out of sync was the, the lady that, um, you know, her husband and two sons were killed. And I spoke with her, you know, for, for a while. And, and um, anyhow, she had remarried. And we were in Jerusalem. I was in Jerusalem on a tour walking through the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and I hear the voice, and it's not God, and it's this lady who is married to a pastor now, runs out, I imagine he was quite happy. She's having a service, and his wife is screaming across the garden at me, and she comes running over and gives me a hug, you know. So what are the chances? You know, I never ask her how her husband felt about that. But anyhow, but what are the chances of something like that happening? And so... I think of it as divine appointments. There, there are no interruptions, only divine appointments, divine opportunities. And it's the challenge for us whenever we have this covering to understand that God is with us and every day is a divine opportunity and every day is a divine appointment. You know, we, we look at life and in Christ is, you know, you know, we use the illustration as a glass half full or is it half empty. Well, half empty means I'm, I'm losing. Half full means I'm gaining. In Christ, we are always gaining. We're always looking at what, not at what we've lost, but what we're going to, what we're going to experience. Um, next week's sermon, I even have an idea what I'm going to preach, you know. Uh, when wise men who find a stable look for God. <laughs> Wise men who find a stable look for God. I may change it next week, but anyhow, that's what it is now. In our lives, when we find we're looking for something and we come up with a barn, <laughs> we come up with a cave, we come up with a, a manger where cows eat, be sure and look for God. Because God is there. And in our life... As we're seeing this, there's a time frame and there's a, there's a place where God is at work in our life. 
And who knows whether the difficulty we are facing is a divine opportunity, okay? Who knows if it's a divine opportunity? So at the very same time that Peter and John were walking into the temple, a, a crippled man, a crippled from birth, was being carried up, all right? So he is this crippled man, and he's a beggar, all right? A beggar is a, beggar is a person, often homeless, who lives by asking uh, for money or food. I had to look that up, make sure I had the right definition, because there's a difference between being broke and being a beggar. <laughs> you know, Peter and John, they're broke. We'll find that out in a minute. So anyhow, this guy's brought there every day, sets at the temple gate, and what's he doing is he's, he, you know, hopefully he's uh, the, the playing on the emotions of the, the generosity of the people going into the temple to worship God. He is asking them for, you know, he's been there for 40 years, so they know who he is, and, you know, some people give him money, you know, every month or whatever, maybe every week or something to help him out, and he's there because without their money, he, he dies, he starves. But anyhow, so Peter and John, they're about to enter the temple, and he asked them for a handout. So Peter, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eyes and said, Look here. <laughs> All right. Now, look here. There is a declaration that comes to us to look away from what's wrong. Peter, you know, th this guy, I'm sure, as a beggar, he never looked people in the eyes. You know, because people don't like to make eye contact. I don't know why. Most people don't like to make eye contact. They just don't like to look people in the eye. And especially, you know, if you're, if you're, um, <laughs> if you're in a, a very hostile place, you never look your adversary in the eye. And even when I remember reading a story about a guy who was in, uh, he was in uh, the Rockies and they came in contact with, you know, with a bear. And, uh, and he, he remembers that he looked the bear in the eyes. <laughs> and that was the last thing that happened to him. <laughs> you know, because, you know, but up until that point, it was, it, the bear didn't appear to have a confrontation. Of course, he lived because he told the story. But, the, and of course, the people said, don't look the bear in the eyes. <laughs> so, and it's kind of like a, a submission and a humility or whatever. Uh, you know, the king, you don't look him in the eyes. Hey, king, you know, you, you don't. So this guy, Peter, is telling him, look here, look up. And you see, look away from your problems and look away from your expectations to something greater that I have to give you. And I think God is saying that to us that here we are, and, and we would think perhaps of ourselves as being broke or being, I know we're not here beggars, but we sometimes don't have enough, and God is saying, look here. <laughs> look up from what you're looking at and see what I'm going to give you. Well, <laughs> perhaps the beggar, he said, look up. Whoa, I've got good stuff coming now. You know, he's going to give me all kinds of money. And expected to get something from me. He looked up, he, was, he had an expectation, and Peter says, I don't have a nickel. <laughs> Title of my sermon. <laughs> I don't have a nickel. I don't have silver or gold. That's King James. I don't have a nickel. But what I do have, I give. See, this is the challenge 
that, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know, if I win the lottery, <laughs> you know, if I have this amount of money come in, I'll give this. Well, don't wait until you win the lottery. Give, give something of what you have towards what you're drawn to. doesn't say you, you know, give $100,000. You give something of what you have. Something of what you have. Because in giving something of what you have, we remember now God is our covering. And not out of want or out of necessity, the Bible says. Don't give out of want. Don't give out of necessity. Don't give out of manipulation. Give from an expectation of receiving the goodness of God in your life. Give from the expectation of receiving good. Because give what you have, and it will come back to you as planting seed. So we don't give out of, out of want or out of necessity. And we don't give because, you know, well, God owes me or, you know, everybody attention, I want to give this. You know, that means nothing. One of the greatest sins of modern times. One of the greatest sins of modern times is pride. <laughs> because we are self-reliant, we are self-confident, we are boastful, <laughs> and boastfulness, especially uh, in the um, sports arena, <laughs> is almost considered acceptable. And, and if you can't produce, you know, well, that's a whole different story. But humility is kind of like pushed on a back burner like it means nothing. You know, being humble, the, the true de the definition for humility is strength under control. Strength under control. God is humble. God could step on you like we step on an ant. But his strength is not used to hurt. His strength is used to heal, to restore, to rebuild. So our, our selfishness and pride is used to, to uplift us, and our humility is there to uplift Christ. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. By the spirit of God, we're able to do these things. I am what I am by the grace of God. That I am where I'm at because of God's mercy and his love. So I have a divine appointment that I run into every day. It is an opportunity to live. It's a divine appointment. And so your living and breathing is in the covering of Christ and that Christ is with you and he wants to bless you. Well, what about the bad things that happen? Don't worry about them. <laughs> Don't, you know, it's half empty or half full. There's things going to happen. But every complication and every difficulty, perhaps that's the setting the stage for the blessing that's coming. How do we handle the difficulty? How do we handle the broke? <laughs> So I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give you. And what does it say? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's what we all have, the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is in our heart. Jesus is our covering. At the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name. Have a video does it work we have to shut off the uh <laughs> the camera because you can't 
get all these things, but it talks about the, the name of Jesus. <laughs> but, um, but this is the story, and again, what they're singing about is the name of Jesus. And Peter here is sa- declaring, I don't have a nickel, and this is to the lame man, I don't have a nickel, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, what was going on, the, you know, Jesus had been condemned and crucified, and, but he had risen from the dead. And, of course, the, um, the temple and the, the guards and the priests of, of the temple had, they didn't want Jesus. <laughs> he was ruining their whole system. You know, he came, he came to fulfill everything that they were doing. And, you know, if he fulfilled everything they were doing, the temple went out of business. And so they didn't want that to happen. But what's going on now is he, you know, Peter and John and them, they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Because at the name of Jesus, that's, that's all, you know, the one who saves us from our sin. He's the one who defeats the enemies of our life, the spiritual enemies of our life. And he's the one who protects us and goes before us. He's the one who is, never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's the one that we are covered in, you know, every moment of every day that nothing can ever separate us from him. So what we're wanting to do is to remind ourselves what a wonderful name, what a wonderful wonderful person Jesus is. He's not someone out there, he's someone in here. And and Peter says, in the name of Christ, walk. And that's why I, I think so often, whenever we pray, we need to be specific. What are we asking for? You know, Often Jesus would do that with people, you know, when, when Jesus would r- run into the blind man, he would say, well, what is it that you want? <laughs> you know, what do you want? Well, I mean, you know, I'm blind, can't you tell? <laughs> You're God, can't you tell? Well, God wants us to be specific about what's going on. God, I need you to, you know, for strength, I need you for healing, I need you for finances, I need you for protection, I need you for personal strength and, and you know, to get direct to my path and direct my ways. God, I need you. So be specific about what it is. So, I, I like this part. Peter reached down and he grabbed the guy by the hand, by the right hand, pulled him up. It's like, I'll, I'm going to stand and see what God does. And sometimes we have to put actions to our prayers. We have to act upon what we state what we believe so at the name of jesus so we find that there was there was peter knew what was going to happen because he he saw it first in his heart his spiritual person he saw it in his spirit and in his in his being that this is this is this is what's going to happen in the name of jesus walk and he grabbed and pulled him up it's like i think god wants to do something in your life <laughs> no i i know god wants it here let's let's get up and the guy grabbed him by the right hand, pulled him up. And in an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and walked. If that happened to us, we'd probably fall down and die. <laughs> Out of surprise. Oh, it worked. Oh, wow. 
What was the formula? What was the formula? We'll make it happen again, you know? It isn't a formula. It's that which arises in our heart. It's that which we believe that God is at work in everything. So at the same time, going back to that, at the same time there was a man crippled. You see, whenever we find ourselves in an intersection of events, an intersection of life and change and whatever, we need to remember that God is here at this moment and what is it that God is, has in front of me? What's in my spirit? And when Peter saw the lame man, they both got there at the same time and when he saw him, he, it's like, he wants to heal this man. Well, why didn't Jesus heal him on the other trips through the temple? He's been there for 40 years. <laughs> Jesus must have been near him or by him, but it, he wasn't healed by Christ. He was healed by Peter in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, the man went into the temple He's and with them, and he walked back and forth, dancing and praising God. And everybody there saw him, walked around and praising God. They recognized him as the man who sat begging at the temple gate. Beautiful. And rubbed their eyes in astonishment. They couldn't believe, well, is this the guy? You know, you know the guy in rags and, you know, is, couldn't get up and crippled and deformed and his legs never worked and he had to be carried everywhere. <laughs> is this him? <laughs> The man threw his arms around Peter and John, ecstatic. And all the people ran up to where they were at Solomon's porch to see for themselves. You know, there was, uh, there was a, there was a mass, massive congregation gathered there in an instant because God had performed something very different. And when Peter saw the congregation, it's an opportunity <laughs> to proclaim the message. So, O oh Israelites, why does, why does this take you by such a complete surprise? And why stare at us if our power or piety made him walk? You see, the greatest sin of our modern times is pride. Why would we think because something good happens in our life, it's us? We're part of it. But the, the, the praise and the honor belong to God. I'm just the vessel. Now, it doesn't mean that we're doormats and nothing, you know, oh, I'm a doormat and, and you know, let mud be wiped on me. No. It, it isn't a doormat mentality. It is a, it is a strength under control mentality, a strength that says that in Christ I am strong, but in this situation God receives glory. It isn't my me, mine, and ours, that I own it, is that which God has done for a purpose. And the purpose is that people who see it, we can direct them to God. <laughs> Why stare at us as if our power and piety made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his son Jesus. This isn't something that has just happened. This is someone who has been coming along since Abraham. <laughs> you know, Jesus, the, the promised descendant of Abraham and of David, has come, and it's him. He's the one who's done this. And in our life, it is, the, it is our relationship with, with Christ. Well, then Peter goes on to says, you repudiated. The, the, the uh, repudiated means to refuse to accept or whatever. So you refuse to accept the Holy One, the just one, you ask for a murderer in his place. 
You no sooner killed the author of life than God raised him from the dead. You see, good cannot, evil cannot destroy that which God has made. Evil cannot destroy. Evil doesn't know. Always remember this. Evil doesn't know the future. If evil knew the future, he would have never had Jesus crucified. So when we think that all, all my future is bad, all this happened bad, it's all going to... Stop it. God has something good. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And so just like the lame man walks, so too will God enable us to walk with him through life, through the obstacles, through the difficulties, and he has a better place for us. So uh, going on down to verse 19, he says, Now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so that he can wipe away your sins and pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. <laughs> what a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name. Peter here is talking to the congregation who is gathered because of the miracle that was presented uh, through this lame man. And it happened because there was an intersection at the same time. There was a divine unction and Peter says, rise up and walk. And then there was this jubilance going on and everybody wanted to see what all the commotion was and they all come over and they recognize the miracle and Peter directs their attention to Jesus and says this one that you crucified is alive and he has come to pour out showers of blessing and refreshing upon you. Jesus has come. Not to pour out judgment and condemnation and guilt, but to pour out his love and blessing and refreshment, refreshing of our spirit every day. That's our covering. But I don't have a nickel. Good. <laughs> we're not a beggar. We may be broke, <laughs> but we're not beggars. We're not homeless. We have an eternal home. We know where we belong. We know to whom we belong. And we know who's living in here. Amen? Let's stand. <laughs> that wasn't too long, was it? it was okay. All right. Just, just. Yeah, right. <laughs> it says do more. Come back next Sunday. Same time, same station. <laughs> Amen. So... What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. That's what we need to remember. And he is our covering. And that in this covering, there are divine appointments. And at the divine appointments, there are unctions. There are, there's a quickening of our spirit. Respond to that. And know that God is there to pour out blessings on our life. Amen? Do you believe that? I don't know for sure. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>